the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Thursday morning. We're so glad to have you join us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quibido and Jamie and Colado. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning, Gabarini. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, today it's already Thursday. How about yes. that? I know. Man. Right. Time it, flies when you're having fun, right? Yes, but yeah. this week's already <laughs> flown by. It has. It really has. It's good when you start your week on Tuesday. That happens, that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, today is the memorial of St. John Newman. It also is the day that Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI has been laid to rest. He is uh, being laid to rest in the uh, tomb under St. Peter's Basilica that was last occupied by Pope St. John Paul II. Yeah. I think that's wow. beautiful. Two beautiful uh, popes. And uh, I, I love that Pope Benedict's last words were, Lord, I love you. Yeah. Beautiful. How beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. So beautiful. So I thought he, we, he didn't. JP2 were close Tight. as yep. well. Yep, I yes. think so. I think so. Dream it's team there. That he... That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So I thought we should start this morning with the collect prayer from his funeral mass. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray, O God, who in your wondrous providence chose your servant servant benedict to preside over your church grant we pray that having served as the vicar of your son on earth he may be welcomed by him in eternal glory who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the holy spirit god forever and ever Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. John Newman and St. Benedict, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us, definitely. We have events in your listening area we will give you details about in eight minutes. Stick with us. Lots of things are happening and lots of good things, lots of gatherings. So we'll give you details on those. In 18 minutes, Thomas Jacoby joins us. He's an editor and he's going to be talking about the book, How I Became a Man, a life with communists, atheists, and other nice people. So quite an interesting title. Looking forward to speaking to Thomas. He's been with us before on Wake Up. Uh, It's going to be a good time with him. And in 35 minutes, David Dawson Jr. joins us. He's the director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Palma Thibodeau. And every Thursday, he talks about marriage and family life. Well, today's topic is about taking ownership of things in our day-to-day family life that feel like they're not in control, like our (laughs) schedules kind of mess up a little bit. Maybe our kids are a little moody today. Maybe we're a little moody, hectic evenings. The list couldn't go on and on. (laughs) And I'm sure we've experienced these uh, quite often. So Dave's going to dive deeper into that topic. And in 40, Michael Borg joins us. He is the executive director 
of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in New Orleans, and he's going to be updating us for the month of January. So looking forward to today's show, Damien, and actually looking forward to your weather report you have for us today. Yeah, well, it's going to be chilly to start the day, as we already are finding out. Temperatures are in the upper 40s. Uh, we'll see plenty of sunshine, though, and that's wonderful, which uh, will warm things up. High today should be about 68, low about 42 over the night hours. And it's going to get a little windy. Winds are going to be out of the northwest at about 5 to 10 miles an hour. Tomorrow, pretty much the same thing, actually a couple degrees warmer, and it's going to continue that way as the week goes on. We won't see any rain until Sunday, so enjoy it while you can. It's time to dry out after what we've had uh, the past couple days. Yeah. Temperatures in and around the area, in Gulfport and in Mandeville, it's 48 degrees. Home in Thibodeau, 49. New Orleans, already 55 degrees, and in the capital city, it's 46 in Baton Rouge. Those are your temps. That's also your forecast. Don't go too far. My voice holds out. We'll also hear the gospel, and we'll come back with some events for you here on a Thursday morning on Wake Up. Good morning, a blessed feast of St. John Newman. I'm Father Chris Decker, and today's gospel comes to us from John chapter 1. Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the town of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, and also the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We've heard the gospel, and now we reflect. On the fourth day of John's Literary Creation Week, Jesus travels to Galilee, where he calls Philip, Follow me. Philip's home was Bethsaida, a large town in the northeast of the Sea of Galilee, and also the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip then enthusiastically declared to Nathanael, also known as Bartholomew, that he had found the Messiah who fulfilled all God's promises in the Scriptures. This object of profound longing is not only for a king, the son of David, but he is also the one who is often identified with the poor who are faithful to the Lord. He is the one about whom Moses and the prophets wrote about Jesus of Nazareth. Nathanael responds with a condescension skepticism. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Isn't it true that we often answer the prompting of grace with a similar cynicism? Is Jesus truly divine Son of the Father? Is he really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the humble appearance of bread and wine? Maybe that is why we so seldom go to see and converse with him. Jesus, however, is always patient with the denseness of his disciples. And that is why the pronunciation should be, duh, disciples. 
Jesus responds prophetically to Nathanael, referring to the biblical passages that speak of being in the shade of a fig tree as a symbol of the peace one experiences in the Messianic age. Prompted by grace, Nathanael then gives the amazing response, You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Only when Jesus rises from the dead will the full meaning of that declaration become manifest. Jesus then answers Nathanael and all future disciples with the plural, you. You will see the sky open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus here alludes to the appearance of God to Jacob in a dream when he beheld angels ascending and descending from heaven. The difference is that now God reveals himself in the person of Jesus, not in a dream. Jesus is the true Bethel, the site of Jacob's dream, for he is the house of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus reveals himself as the only stairway to heaven. But here's the question. Are we willing to ascend with him? Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sakers. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Father Chris. It is 11 after the hour. So glad you could join us on Thursday morning on Wake Up. And uh, you know what? Now's the time to plan. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be attending retreats, conferences, New Year, new schedule, all right. So here we go. The 2023 Men of the Immaculata Conference Prepare the Encounter with the Lord is set for Saturday, February 25th at St. George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. Now you're saying, wait, that's in February. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this thing sells out fast. Uh, They went through quite a few tickets during their early bird, which was by the 31st of last year. Well, now you're going to have to pay regular price, but it's still very affordable. Excuse me. $75 $75 for adults, 45 for students. That's ages 13 to 24. And it includes your admission to all the speakers, which will be a number of them, former Navy SEAL officer and co-founder of the Frasati Company. Sam Blair is going to be there. Peter Burak, also Chef John Fultz, will be preparing lunch. Our own Father Jeff Baihe who's here in Baton Rouge, is going to be speaking, and Mass will be also celebrated by Bishop Michael Duca. It's really a wonderful time. You've got to have a swag bag that you're going to get your money's worth. Uh, so, again, if you want to sign up, here's the, where you go. Go to menoftheimmaculata.com. That's menoftheimmaculata.com. It's a great event, and it does sell out pretty quickly. It does. So, uh, mm-hmm. so make sure you it will do be visit there that too. website. That's right. That's Catholic right. Community Catholic Community Media, Media will be yep. there. Well, today, Bishop Michael Duga, Duca of the Diocese of Baton Rouge will preside over a memorial mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict the Sixteenth. That's today, Thursday, January fifth, at noon at Saint Joseph Cathedral on Main Street in downtown Baton Rouge. The public is invited. The mass will be televised on Cox. Channel 15 on Roku, Fire TV, Facebook, and YouTube. So you can visit their Facebook page or diobr.org to find out more information about the Memorial Mass in the Diocese of Baton Rouge for Pope Emeritus Benedict the 16th. 
Yes, and if you're looking forward to trying something new this year, why not take a look at the Bible in a Year podcast? It's an exciting new resolution for you, something kind of out of the box, maybe for a lot of people who've maybe never heard a podcast or want to learn more about our church uh, faith. The Catechism in a Year, it's about 15 to 20 minutes each episode, uh, and it will be kind of like the Bible in a Year, uh, but it's on any major podcasting platform like Spotify or even YouTube, and it's presented by Father Mike Schmidt. So you'll join hundreds of Catholics or thousands of Catholics, really, each day in listening to the Catechism in a Year. My parish has been promoting this, uh, and I know so many other schools have been promoting this as well. I'm so glad Father Mike Schmitz is doing something like this because the Bible in a Year has been extremely popular. And you know what? If you miss a day, that's okay. There's always time to catch up. So if, even if you start today, uh, it is absolutely okay. So yeah. it's a great way to learn more about our faith. Whenever you start, that's when your year begins. That's right. That's yeah, the way exactly. I yeah, that's, that's right. Because right. you'll start catch up on the others. That's mm-hmm. right. And catechism in a year is going to be great. Yes. You know, so yes. it's already started for those of you who started on the first. If not, get started today. Don't go too far. We've got more coming your way on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 5th. Today we celebrate St. John Neumann. Although he was born in 1811 in what is now the Czech Republic, John Neumann is celebrated as an American saint. Following studies in Prague, John Neumann came to New York at age 25 and was ordained a priest only three weeks later. After several years of working among German-speaking immigrants, often alone, he joined the Redemptorist community. As a gifted linguist who spoke eight languages, he was a popular preacher among many immigrant communities. At age 41, he had become the fourth bishop of Philadelphia, where he organized the local parochial schools into a diocesan-wide system. The number of pupils skyrocketed. Gifted with outstanding organizing ability, Bishop Neumann attracted many teaching communities into the city of Philadelphia. This included the Oblate Sisters of Divine Providence, made up of women of color who were devoted to the education of African-American children. Known for his holiness and learning, his spiritual writing and preaching, John Neumann died in 1860 at age 48. At his request, he was buried in Philadelphia at the Redemptorist Church of St. Peter. In 1977, he became the first American bishop to be canonized. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Good morning again, everyone, and thank you for putting up with my voice. Uh, I hope I can make it through. We're halfway there, at least for this half hour. And uh, I'm getting ready to chat with Thomas Jacoby. He's editor and here to talk about how I became a man, a life with communists, atheists, and other nice people. It's a pretty interesting book about Father Alexander Krylov. Good morning, uh, Thomas. Welcome to Wake Up. Morning, Damien. Glad to be here. Oh, man. Well, 
being a fellow New Orleanian, you have to be pretty excited about LSU and Tulane before we get started, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, man. I know. Well, especially, I mean, even the Saints, the way they ended the season. So, you know, I'm, I'm real excited. Yeah, a little too late for them. But uh, anyway, as far as LSU and Tulane, uh, you, you got to give them credit. But you're right. I know. Once a Saints fan, always a Saints fan, no matter what the record is or how they perform. Um, but tell us a little bit about this book. and, and uh, that Because what I find interesting, Interesting is the fact that it's a life story of Father Alexander Krylov and him growing up in the Soviet Union under communist rule. Yeah, so Father Alexander Krylov, who uh, I mean, I had certainly had never heard of before before this book got yeah. sent across my desk. So yeah, he's a priest. He's a priest now in Cologne, Germany. He's actually uh, real successful in the secular world. He's a professor of economics and business at a secular, different secular universities. He's been all over the place. But uh, yeah, the big what this book is all about is so he was born in 1969, kind of Generation X, and he grew up in this small industrial city in Soviet Russia. And uh, his dad died young, and uh, he only had his mom and his grandmother to raise him, and they were both uh, German Catholics. And uh, so he grew up he grew up secretly Catholic in in Soviet Russia. And this book is all about seeing seeing kind of the absurdity of atheist Soviet life through the kind of hopeful eyes of a child who believes in God. And, uh, yeah, that's what this book's all about. Yes. And and the interesting part was he had to do it underground, in, in, in secret almost. Exactly. And, and, I mean, in a way it was a secret even to him, uh, which sounds very strange. But yeah. So his grandma, his grandma, his, his mom and his grandma, they were, they were both Catholic. And, um, but they knew because state education was mandated in uh in the soviet union and they were very militantly atheists uh in the schools they knew that if they taught if they catech if they really taught him his catechism you know father the alexander if they taught him his, his catechism and they, they kind of brought him to meet priests and stuff like that that he they would wind up it would come out and he would wind up uh they would wind up getting persecuted they'd probably get an, go to exile or they'd have to go to a prison camp you know so what they did is they what they taught him was just the bare minimum of just that, you know, God exists. God yeah. is love. God loves you. And they would do these little things, you know. They had no access to a priest. You know, they had no access to the sacraments. So what his grandma would do, for example, she had this little bowl of water she would put out. She had this little homemade altar with all these icons on it and these, like, holy cards. And she uh, and she put a little bowl out, and she said that her, she said that, you know, anytime a priest blesses water anywhere in the world, Surely he's also blessing this water, you wow. know, and so she would, and then she would use that water to bless the house at night, you know, and um, and then like for Christmas they would just light they they couldn't do much they could just they would gather in front of a picture of a church, <laughs> the little boy had never been inside a church, and not even an Orthodox church, uh, and so he they would gather in front of this picture of the church they'd light a candle in the window, and uh, and his grandma taught him that if you light this candle in the window, you know. This is a sign that this is God's protecting all these people, all, all, all your school, all your friends at school, all the little kids in this town, all the moms and dads. God's protecting all them, too, even though they don't believe in him. Gee whiz. You know, what's funny yeah. is yesterday, uh, I, I don't know if it was Pope Francis or someone in the church said we should all light a candle for Pope uh. Benedict. You know, yeah. and in his passing, and you bring that up, 
I, it's funny how God works. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he works really well through the stories in this book because of the encounters uh, that Father Krylov goes through growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and one thing I, I love about this book, I mean, I was, when I first read it, uh, when it came across my desk, they got sent to us in German, and so all the stuff in German gets sent to me for some reason. And, uh, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, yeah, I read it, and what I loved about it is that he had his. It, this book is it's so humorous throughout. He has such a great sense of humor, and he's pointing out what's so what's ridiculous about Soviet life, atheist life. But he's he's always finding finding the humor in it. He's finding the joy in it, you know. And he, he has his philosophy. Let's go pull out the opening pages here. Um, you know, he says that there was, there was, they were suffering from groupthink, you know, kind of uh, everybody thought the same. Every, basically, he says in a crowd, mm-hmm. you can become easily confused, you know. Mm-hmm. They lived this sort of crowd mentality, you know. people. It was easy to be atheist in a way because other people around you were atheist, and other people around you believed the same things. But he said, it, so it was self-evident that you should, he says, uh, honor Lenin, you know, praise communism, and, you know, wear a red scarf. But it was also self-evident to laugh, to hope, to seek, to believe. Normal humanity and insanity were often so close together that they could scarcely be distinguished. And that doesn't sound super hopeful, but what, what he really points out in this, in, throughout this book is that, you know, these, these people in Soviet Russia, they couldn't help but be good in a way, because they were human. I mean, they were, they were made in the image of God. There was mm-hmm. so much goodness that even if they didn't believe, in a way, they couldn't help but believe. Even their kind of atheist celebration, like of New Year, which was supposed to replace Christmas, was kind of full of this hope, this almost supernatural hope he saw in these people. And I found that really encouraging, you know. It's a, kind of a beautiful outlook on things. Yeah, and through his life, in the stories in his life, there are a lot of life lessons we can learn from just by reading those stories. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say so. The, the way the book is written, it's... Uh, they're, uh, they're all these little anecdotes, you know, not in chronological order or anything, right. just sort of random. And each one has sort of a moral at the end. And the moral is often sort of a joke, you know, it's often kind of ironic. Um, but one of my favorite ones that actually comes early, early in the book is uh, his dad. He tells the story of how his dad, shortly after his parents' parents' wedding, his dad came home from work when he got... Uh, he got lost because all the apartments looked the same. Everything looked the same. And he went to, he came home with what he thought was the wrong apartment. Cause his, his aunt, his wife's sister was visiting and he'd never met her before. And he opened the door and there was the wrong woman. He's like, Oh my gosh. And, up. <laughs> and, uh, and he couldn't find his way back. He couldn't find his way back home. because it all looked the same, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then the, the, the lesson at the end, of, but then eventually he, he sees his wife coming home from like the store. It's like, Oh, there you are. Uh, and he, the lesson at the end is, uh, he says, apartment houses can look alike. Cities can live according to a similar rhythm. Families can have the same problems. Yet every individual life is unique. It has not only its own ups and downs, but also unique and often surprising twists. Everyone can discover for himself that God's ways are unfathomable. And uh, I love that because in a way it kind of sums up uh, his whole outlook as a child. Uh, in this book because 
you know, people are they're being repressed under this ideology, the kind of this sort of cookie cutter ideology that wants to make wants to make everybody the same, doesn't want anyone to think for themselves. But people can't help but be free, you know. Each individual is free, and each individual kind of stands before God, you know. You, no matter what system you're under, you know, yeah. in a way you're spiritual. You're free before the Lord, and um, that's what He sees. That's what He sees in these people. And that that's kind of the purpose of the book too, is uh, you know, freedom when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, that's right. Um, and and share with us where he's at today. I know you touched on it, but before we wrap up, um, it, is, is he still alive? And if he is, oh, I, yeah, he's, he's in lost. Germany? He's and, yeah, exactly. He's in Cologne, Germany, okay. kind of western Germany. And uh, and he's actually a, he's a, he, he's an academic, so he writes books about economics and business. Oh, geez. He's a professor at a university. Yeah, yeah he's a... Maybe he ought to send one to our president. <laughs> no, I have a feeling the president wouldn't like this book all that much. <laughs> well, we're speaking with Thomas Jacoby, and he is the editor, and we're talking about the book, How I Became a Man, A Life with Communists, Atheists, and Other Nice People. And uh, I think I that's the coolest part yeah. of the title right there. Uh, where can they pick up a copy of this book? Because it is a nice read, and uh, it's set up to where you could you could start at almost any point in the book. Exactly. Yes, exactly right. So you could pick it up at uh, preferably at your local Catholic bookstore, uh, wherever that might be. In Louisiana, you got a million of those. Yeah, um, we do. But if you can't, you can't pick it up at your local Catholic bookstore. Just uh, go to Ignatius dot com i g n a t i u s dot com and just in the little search bar type in how i became a man and uh and it'll pop right up got a kind of a scary looking cover bright red with the uh the sickle and hammer on it yeah yeah don't don't let that scare you though (laughs) yeah well well thomas when's the last time you've been down here to south louisiana I was there. I was there for Christmas. My dad in New Orleans. Awesome. And, uh, mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I got sick, uh, as you guys are. <laughs> well, you can tell I am. I'm getting there if but I haven't. Yeah. But uh, but you and you left. Uh, hopefully, you sound better than I do. That's for sure. So you recover. I'm. I might need you to text me your your medicine so I can get mine knocked <laughs> about out. A week, yeah. About a week, so just okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us. It's always good to chat with you. Next time you're down, give us a holler. We'd love to to visit with you in person. That'd be great. Thank you all so much. Okay, Thomas Jacoby. We have more coming your way on Wake Up. It's 35 minutes after the hour. Thanks for tuning in to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio. Tune in today from 11 a.m. until 12.30 for the Memorial Mass for Pope Benedict XVI, live from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. Again, that's 11 a.m. Central Time. We are joined this morning by David Dawson, Jr. He is the director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homa. Thibodeau. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are we doing? Great. Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas. Yes, indeed. Thanks. You too. 
Well, great. Well, it's good to have you on Are the first time in 2023. And this is an interesting right. topic you want to chat about today, taking ownership of things in our day-to-day family life that feel like they're not in our control. Wow. The, the list of that could, yeah. could be long, especially if you have toddlers, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think the, the things that came to my mind were like uh, just the, the difficulty of, say, mornings or evenings. Um, and the the, the the schedule, right? Mm-hmm. The two things that seem like they're most out of our control. Um, and I think, you know, if looking at it from the perspective of our kids in particular, um, they certainly don't have control of anything. You know, when you're doing yes. your child, the, the schedule is definitely out of your control. The kind of the attitude and the mood and the feel of the, of the, the, the household uh, in the mornings and the evenings is very much out of your control. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least you feel that way, you know, and it's, it's your parents are pretty much, you know, we as adults are pretty much the ones uh, in the driver's seat, whether we feel like it or not. And I think for the most part as parents, a lot of times we don't feel like we're in the driver's seat. A lot of times we feel like evenings and mornings and, and uh, schedules are things that happen to us. Yes. And it can be difficult. <laughs> and we kind of feel like, you know, we feel like victims, you know, and, and uh, that can be discouraging. And I've noticed that with, with my wife and I, a lot of times our attitude of kind of being drug along um, tends to uh, define how the house feels. Oh, when sure. everybody feels mm-hmm. like mom and dad are drug along, they all feel like they're kind of burdens and everybody just feels kind of down and, and just struggling and discouraged and just trying to survive. And the truth is, I think what I've been challenged with in prayer uh, a number of times is like, Look, there are ways that I've got to, like, as a, as a parent, as, as a husband, like, I've got to take ownership and be like, you know what, I, there are things that I have to do to say, is this the way it has to be? Because mm. there's nobody else that can make these decisions but me. You know, like, nobody here, nobody cares enough to say, look, you know what, I'm going to try to fix your household for you. You know, yes. <laughs> I'm going to try to fix your circumstances. The circumstances aren't going to get easier, uh, but is it possible that I might be able to make some decisions that could Either, you know, easing up, easing up the, the, the way things are going, lighten up the schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be some things there, but it may be that I've just got to take ownership of my own attitude in that situation. And mm-hmm. I think what that does is I turn to prayer with a little bit of a different bent. Instead of asking God to say, look, you got to make things easier for me, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to say, okay, what can I do? Right? What, what are some things that I can personally change to really put myself mm-hmm. in the driver's seat instead of just feeling like a victim all the time? Because somebody's mm-hmm. got to do it. Somebody's got to take ownership mm-hmm. of this, you know. You're right. You're right. You know, I I love that perspective, Dave. I I think it's, uh, I remember, especially when my children were little, although having teens is certainly not easy, uh, but but when they're little and you're tired and you've got dinner on the stove and one's crying and the other one needs something, uh, you know, really finding what's wrong with this situation instead of really taking ownership of how you can can control that. Because your, your temperament, your mood, especially as parents, it really does trickle down to your children. So if you're if yeah, you're feeling exactly. overwhelmed and grumpy, chances are your children that's going to affect them as well, and they're going to feel the same way. Exactly, and it, I mean even at, at the worst, it's a it's a panic. You know, it's, it's yes. you go from feeling overwhelmed to grumpy to feeling panicked, and that is has oh, major sure. effects on the attitude of the house and how the kids feel. You know, throughout the day, and that I think is a one major driver for the fact that so many young people are experiencing anxiety mm. uh, and uh, to like a clinical level. Uh, yeah. We see this in a lot of middle school and high school kids, uh, the amount of anxiety that they feel. And I think a lot of it is because it's trickling down from parents feeling panicked, like all the time, 
on a daily uh, basis, you know, not feeling like there's anything that can be done or anybody can do anything about it. And we're just trying to survive. Right. Um, just survive. And so that, that kind of makes its way. Yeah. And it makes its way into just the little details of our day to day lives. So I think one of the things that, that um, I've seen has been extremely fruitful and it's a habit forming, which, which always takes time and it's always much more difficult than we think it's going to be, but incredibly fruitful to begin to be in the habit of like when I start feeling panic, when I start feeling like I don't have what it takes and things are, are out of my control, to start being like, all right, Lord, I need you to give me the strength for, mm-hmm. for right, right here in front of me. Yes. And to see, does he actually respond to that? I think for the most part, I know I've, I've fallen into this temptation to assume that God doesn't actually do anything about these kind of circumstances. Because mm. if he did, mm-hmm. he would have done something by now. Right. <laughs> if God actually wanted to be involved, he'd have done so by now. You yes, know? yes. But the truth is, he's waiting for me to stop being like panicky driver to be like, Lord, I'm trusting <laughs> in you to right. give me what I need for right now to delight in my kids, to have joy for crying out loud. You know, to be able to be at peace and to have joy and to share that joy with my kids. I don't know how to do that right now. I need your help. And I got to tell you, when I've been able to do that sincerely, it's amazing how God actually does come through. And that's if I'm willing to rely on that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I remember when my uh, children were much younger praying for patience until someone told me, uh, you know, when you ask for patience, God gives you more opportunities (laughs) to be patient. And I thought, whoa, I need to dial down the praying for patience and uh, and just being in that moment and not being overwhelmed uh, with with everything that's going on with children. And uh, but 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 that feeling of just I've just got to calm down. You know, mommy needs a time out. Let's just back up for a minute let me come holy spirit and then we can then we can move on uh uh, with the rest of our day so to give us some 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 uh other ways that we can find that peace when when we feel like things are crumbling and uh, you know as you're talking dave the image that comes to my head is peter with his hand outstretched uh, in the storm like lord come and say you know like i can't see anything but these raging waters and these winds uh help me yeah, and I think for the most part what happens is we forget that God's even there, mm-hmm. and I'm sinking, and I'm assuming that, like, God, you, there's almost a, a mindset that's like, God, if you cared about me, you would, I wouldn't even be out here to begin with, yes, you know? And, yes. and the fact that I'm out here means that you're part of the problem, so I'm not even, I don't have the, the ability in that relationship to turn to him uh, because he's a part of the problem. Uh, but I think I, I, what, what, what has been a huge turning point has been, all right, Lord, help me to see Help me to see when I'm in this panicky mode and when there's mm-hmm. something that might be able to be done about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's this amazing how God's like, all right, just, and it's a good, like, nightly examine. That might be something to take into the New Year's resolution is nightly examine. Lord, mm-hmm. help me to see throughout the day where I mm-hmm. put myself in the driver's seat when I should have allowed you to help. When did I kind of uh, start going into panic mode? Um, and when, when does my discouragement begin to affect the kids and in places where it didn't have to? Right, show me that. Yes. And I got to tell you, that's been for me a very graceful thing that God's like, you know, you weren't relying on me during those times, and it showed. Yes. Right? You yes. met your limitations, and your kids were affected by it, and they didn't have to be. You could have relied on me, and I would have helped you, you know? Yes. Um, so to be able to just be aware of those times first is extremely important. And then we can begin to get into the habit of saying, like, while I'm actually in those times, to help, to ask for help and, and to see what it feels like for him to grab that hand and pull me up out of the water and be uh, like, you got this. Come on, just focus yes. on me. I don't have to take the winds and the waves away. 
right? Yes, you can that's actually right. walk on on this. You can do this. Yeah. 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 We just we just have a minute left, David. But I'm just curious. Do you ever bring your yeah. children into that part of prayer when when things are hectic? Do you ever settle everybody down and say we're we're gonna pray through this moment? We're gonna we're gonna pray about this. Do you bring your children into that prayer? Absolutely. The, the way that's been easiest for us is a night prayer to be like, all right, guys, it's been a tough few days. I think we've noticed that our attitudes are in the dumps and, and, and things are really hard right now. So we're going to pray specifically for that uh-huh. so that they know that like we're leaning on God and we know that things are hard right now. And you know what? Maybe God can help with this. And maybe there's some, you know, some, some spiritual uh, health that we're missing out on that we could be tapping into. And so we make that a part of our nightly prayer. And they've yes. seen us. They've seen us stop and just pray. You know, so I think them just seeing that witness that we're willing to do that on our own is a huge step. Be like, look, I'm going to go hit the kneeler for about five minutes. I'll be out in a second. Or even just sit on the couch, closing my eyes, you know, so they see that, knowing that is a possibility. Love it. I love it. David Dawson, Jr., Director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. You can find out more information at htdiocese.org. Stick around. Michael Bork, Executive Director of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in New Orleans, joins us. It's 15 minutes before the hour on Wake Up. Thanks so much for tuning in to Wake Up This Morning. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Damien Collado and Alicia Quibido. Our next guest is Michael Borg. Michael is the Executive Director of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in New Orleans. Good morning, Michael. Thanks for being with us today. Good morning, Gabby. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you as well. Well, let's talk about something to be quite thankful about, especially during the giving season. You've had so many things going on, but particularly you had something with the Academy of the Sacred Heart over in New Orleans. Kind of tell us about the wonderful Christmas baskets the ladies put together. Well, you know, it was our Christmas miracle. It it really was. The students and alumni, faculty, staff, everybody, they gathered together and they put together over 400 Christmas baskets to help families in need. It just, it was, you know, (laughs) I mean, the baskets were like food, gifts, gift cards, um, and, and they were all distributed by you know, our Vincentians in all the local church parishes to all those families that we've been helping over the years. And um, just just incredible. I mean, we hit families in St. Tammany, Jefferson, Plaquemines, Orleans. Um, uh, You know, it kind of took your breath away. It really did. That's amazing. And especially, you know, with this Christmas, uh, you know, prices have gone up uh, and, and I think people need things a lot more these days. So this is so great to see something like this. And that's a lot of Christmas baskets. So I hope it really, well, I know it really helped a lot of people, especially during that time of year. Uh, you also had something else quite exciting. The Archdiocesan Council's spiritual director has designed something for the Vincentians. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Sister Catherine Kelly, who's a daughter of charity, um, serves as our spiritual director. And um, just for the entire year, she has put together a formation plan for 2023, which we are very excited about. We haven't had that for a few years, and she's really bringing it back strong. Um, you know, it, it's 
it's going to be a combination of things. One, it'll be a few days of reflection, three, possibly four throughout the year. And we'll be doing those in different areas of the archdiocese to try to reach as many uh, Vincentians as possible. Um, And then she'll be doing a monthly study group with folks um, that is uh, called Serving in Hope. Um, And it's to get the whole idea that it's connecting the point of our service as Vincentians with seeing the very face of Christ in those that we serve and the, and the, how we can grow as Vincentians through that service to these people. Um, and, and to really pray about that and, and focus on that. And I know that a lot of the pastors of the parishes that we're in really appreciate this kind of formation for their parishioners, you know? So it's Mm -hmm. just, um, it's just very exciting this year. We truly are. That's so great to hear. And I can definitely tell in your voice. Now we've mentioned the word Vincentians a few times uh, during your interview, but for those of uh, who have heard the word or are not familiar with what the Vincentians are, can you kind of tell us a little bit about uh, what you guys do and how people can maybe be a part of that? Sure. Um, so in the Archdiocese, we're in about uh, 32 parishes and then three other groups of Vincentians that aren't necessarily based in a parish. They may be in a university or something. What we do is we help people, our na- people we call our neighbors in needs, people who usually live within the parish boundaries. Um, when they hit a, a tough spot, you know, they're living paycheck to paycheck, and they, um, something comes up, right? A car breaks down, a medical bill, something, and all of a sudden they can't pay all their bills. So we step in, we visit with them, we pray with them, and then we offer them support. We help people in the last month alone, you know, we have helped people pay their electricity bill, pay their water bill, pay their gas bill, pay their rent. Mm-hmm. Or it, over the past month, actually, we helped get three people three families to bury three of their loved ones and they didn't have the money to do that. And so we actually work with the archdiocesan cemeteries who are a phenomenal partner with us in that regard Mm -hmm. to get them a place to put their loved one to rest, you know? So, and the Vincentians themselves are those volunteers in those 30 plus parishes. And we have over 500 Vincentians in the diocese. Um, They are volunteering hours and hours and hours of volunteer service, visiting with and just being present to uh, these neighbors in need, you know, showing that someone cares, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, just, just phenomenal. And I will tell you, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, the rising costs of of rent, energy, groceries, all that kind of stuff lately. Our, Mm -hmm. our numbers uh, have gone up dramatically. And, you know, just at our office, not even counting the um, the uh, 32 parishes, which is getting tons of calls as well. But just our office in a month, we'll end up trying to help over 200 families. You know, that's oh. a lot of people. That is yeah. a lot of people. Michael, how can someone maybe be a part of the Vincentians or learn a little bit more? Uh, because, you know, like you said, with the rising cost of everything, uh, all these families looking for something to need, uh, I would assume you would also would like some more help and volunteers as well. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. One, they can check and see if their parish has what we call a conference. So the old French confrere brothers, um, um, you know, in that conference is in the local parish. So one, check and see if you have that and join it. They always need people to help do the work. It's the old many hands make the lifting light. The mm-hmm. other thing is visiting that poor box in your church and leaving a little something there. Uh, and in many parishes for the society, you, it'll even be named, you know, society, think, you know, St. Vincent de Paul poor box. Um, mm-hmm. Please donate. Um, and also they can come to our website and donate too. Um, it's uh, svdpneworleans.org. So St. Vincent de Paul, svdpneworleans.org. So that would Wonderful. be huge as well. And prayer. We always need prayer to keep going. Absolutely. And, and that, seriously, uh, if this job has taught me anything, it is to rely heavily on God's providence. Um, <laughs> Most definitely. And, and Michael, I you've can't... been seeing that as well. And, and, and you know, we're coming to the end of the interview, but I do want to mention that you do have a St. Vincent de Paul thrift store over on the West Bank in Marrero. So you can take a look at that um, and, and maybe support St. Vincent de Paul in that way as well. But one more time, Michael Borg, Executive Director of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, what is that website we can go to to find out more information about what you do and, and how to help out? SVDP. NewOrleans.org. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you for all that you do, and you can count on our prayers for you, the Vincentians, and of course, all the people that you continue to help. Okay. Again, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. I love talking to St. Vincent de Paul, whether it's in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, because they do such great work in the community, helping and serving so many of those in need, especially right now. So I love that interview with Michael. So definitely check them out, svdpneworleans.org. Yeah, always doing good work. Mm -hmm. All right. And they appreciate your support as well. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. This day is over. As far as wake up is concerned, we're going to say a prayer to wrap it up. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. O Holy Father, we pray for the intercession of your servant, St. John Newman, that we may benefit from his wisdom and knowledge. Grant us the grace to follow his example of holiness so that we may one day share in the joys of heaven. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. The Catholic Booty joins us, Knights of Columbus, and so much more. Have a wonderful Thursday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.